and welcome back to the Jim Burns and Dave podcast. It's the last one of the year and yeah. it's just me and Jim, I'm afraid. It's the yeah. best two because Steve has gone home for Christmas. It is the last one of the year and also by far the quietest it fucking looks like. I'm drinking a cup of tea and nobody's fucking commenting on it. No, nobody's got something to say about people drinking hot drinks. As if that's weird. He's, he's such a, a shy house. He's, he's out anyway. We're yeah. recruiting. We're going to yeah. put him in brackets to start at the beginning of the year, and then we're looking for for anyone else. If anyone else fancies being an associate producer, get in touch. All you got to do is like shout and talk about watches. Yeah. You've got to know first of all what an associate producer is, which is basically whatever you say it is. <laughs> so it's a job description that changes depending on the on the moment, but it's mostly, as Dave says, phoning people and screaming at them until things get done. So that sounds like you. Drop yeah. a CV exactly. in. Basically, I mean, every production company needs a Malcolm Tucker, apparently. So. <laughs> but we do have some actually exciting news. And uh, and for a change, it's exciting mm. news that we can and will tell you about. Yeah. That we're going to force it down your faces, down yeah. your earlobes. <laughs> And, uh, and what is that, Jim? What have we been doing? Um, it is that we have, uh, along with our friends at, at Seven Digital, taken over production of the gaming show on Radio One's uh, visual radio section on iPlayer. Yeah, so on December so, 27th, mm-hmm. you are going to be able to click away and see a, uh, a Jim Ben's Dave as a special gun, yeah. a production company alongside Seven Digital, Making Julia Hardy do some wonderful talking, which she's excellent at. And we have some great interviews, don't we, Jim? We do have some amazing interviews. Um, There's a particularly amazing one from Dan Hay, the creative director of Far Cry 5, about what inspired the direction and tone of Far Cry 5. Not to give anything away, but I don't know about you, Dave, but it really surprised me what the answer he gave to, to that question. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, I'm not going to, people will understand when they watch it, but it, it, it is almost like halfway through the gaming show, we cut to like a Metal Gear Solid cutscene <laughs> <laughs> about the Cold War. So yeah, it's really interesting stuff. We've got interviews featuring various people, people from our past as well, funnily enough. So, you know, about things like uh, Last of Us 2, Red Dead Redemption 2. So we round up the year, the amazing stuff that's happened in 2017, and then look forward to 2018. So it's called The Gaming Show, New Year, New Games. Search for that on iPlayer or uh, hit red button on the 27th of December. And you will be the envy of your friends because you will know that you are in fact watching... Uh, a Jim Burns and Dave joint, <laughs> except a secret one that only you know a about. Trojan horse and get. It's probably yeah. not as lively as uh, as your video gaming ones that mm. you did back in the day, Jim. I imagine. It's not going to be the same tonally as the video gamer year in reviews where, where, you know, basically it was just an excuse for Burns to yet again say his favourite game of the year was fucking Kane and Lynch 2. <laughs> oh, there was one point I was like, we should really bring up Kane and Lynch too in this show somehow. And it's like, um, it's not, it's not, it's not the right audience, Jim, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Just force it in. December 27th, get it watched. Mm-hmm. New Year, new games. On get the it watched player, and get it punted to your mates as well. And get your friends watching it. Yeah. But on that point, mm-hmm. Jim, what's your favourite video game of the year? My favourite video game of the year... Oh, see, it's weird for me when I, oh God, because I, I, I play so many of them and I, that's not, a, that's not a humble brag or 
I mean, it's it's not a brag at all. It's sad as fuck. <laughs> um, but I play so many of them because uh, there's very little else going on in my life. And um, <laughs> I guess if, I mean, if it had to decide at the end of every quarter, that would yeah. be easier Well, let's do a rundown of some of them. So you play, you loved Assassin's Creed, right? I loved Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I'd probably think, I think on balance, that's probably my favourite one of the year. Yeah. I love how they, you know, how it, how it reinvented Assassin's Creed and took a lot of inspiration from The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pilfer anything as a template for a big, you know, open world adventure that you want to fill with side quests and well, shit Witcher like 3 that. is a pretty Witcher good one is, to yeah. emulate, right? Witcher 3 is, you know, the one to emulate. I really enjoyed Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. People all, all talk about its portrayal of mental health and things like that. You know, I've heard mixed things on that. Generally, it's very positive and I found it very positive. It's how it handled those issues of, you know, mental health, psychosis mm-hmm. and and not just that, but also dealing with, you know, a, a, like a, a abusive relationships and things like that. I think it's a really, really smart game and a, a really incredible looking game as well. I don't think it got enough praise for quite how much of a technical kind of achievement it was because it looked i mean i played it on a standard ps pro uh, standard ps pro a standard ps4 and it looked it still looked like i mean there were bits of it that were just indistinguishable they were photorealistic almost Mm -hmm. and even though like it was you know incredible things happening the art direction was just pristine throughout really really high quality product you know i mean aside from the fact that it was like a really well-designed game really well-designed kind of environmental puzzles and stuff you just you know when you play something or watch something or whatever and you can just feel the craftsmanship coming off it Mm -hmm. like an aura you know like when you watch fucking mad men or something like you're just like half of the joy of watching shows like that is just you the production values the production values you you know especially like you know when when you're in the kind of the field of work that we are you're just kind of you know in awe how every cog of this is is running at full capacity Mm -hmm. you know and like everyone's on everyone involved in this is on their a game this is incredible so yeah hellblade felt like that for me so i think yeah those two are probably my my favorites and i can barely remember anything else i played i would say mine is horizon zero dawn yeah i fucking love that game basically Mm. and again i thought the way it was designed was was brilliant the mechanics of the gameplay mm-hmm. the work like a whole world that you're exploring the character that, that was that, that was my favorite game obviously we did some stuff on resi 7 you know yeah declare that up front you know, but that was a, that was an interesting one I, you know people have asked me about resi 7 in terms of like how to get past certain bits because they know that I, that i worked kind of worked on it and think i know stuff about it i genuinely don't because i'm too scared to play it <laughs> I, I want to play the evil within two actually i've not played that, that was, that's mm. got good reviews this year yeah yeah but i do love horror you don't, you're not a fan one. of it are you jim i see i like i like it but i'm too i am it does actually it shits me up so much the idea of it shits me up probably more than horror itself does mm-hmm. but i just can't it takes a lot for me to sit down and play a play a horror game and then I can usually only manage 15 minutes. Did you play Until Dawn? I did play Until Dawn. I never completed it, but I played it for a while on, on a live stream way back when. Mm-hmm. But that was different because that was, that was less about... And as, as Burns kind of wrote in an op-ed, the genius of that game was that you were playing like... The director. the director yeah there was no there was no peril for you the player yeah yeah i know what you mean um so that that felt less like a horror more like a telltale game mm-hmm. you know i haven't said that a lot of telltale games are quite 
intense. So I mean, it was, oh, I loved the Walking Dead. Yeah. It's probably a horror film simulator rather than a horror mm-hmm. game, I guess. And I just wrong. got Amnesia Collection on the because it was one of the downloads you could get with mm. PS Pro. I've not, I've not, not with PlayStation Plus. Have you played those? The Amnesia games. Yeah, I downloaded the same thing at the same time for the mm-hmm. same reason. I'll never play them, um, <laughs> but I've heard good things about Amnesia actually. Funnily enough, yeah, I'm not really that into the whole Halloween games and stuff, but like you know, I, I, I'm 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 interested enough to like download them, and sometimes even buy them, but very rarely actually boot them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Obviously, you went and bought a Switch this year, Jim. I did buy a Switch. So, oh shit! Zelda, I forgot to mention Breath any of, of that. Wild. Fucking hell, Jesus! Surely that is. I is could up have there. sworn on a stack of Bibles that would. That's a fucking odd phrase for me to use. But I'll go with yeah, it. I'll ACS go Jim would swear on a stack of Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'll swear on fucking a stack of Douglas Adams novels. I don't know. Uh, no, the Switch has been amazing. Actually, I completely. Even though I just forgot about it when asked specifically about it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the Switch has been uh, amazing. And, uh, and like one of the most wonderful kind of things is how much of a community has been engendered around uh, the Switch, about how like Switch owners are really excited about everything that comes out for it. By the middle of the year, it became really clear that actually... The Switch was kind of becoming the home of um, indies, mm. you know. And I've seen, you know, I know uh, a few uh, indie developers on Twitter who were talking about this, how it was like, well, you know, for a long time, it was like, well, Steam's obviously the place to go to sell your game as an indie. And then, and Steam's become so saturated with garbage and it's very difficult to be visible mm. and... But actually, the Switch is kind of in this honeymoon period where it's like the the people who have one, because it's a new console, are still excited every time something new comes out for it. But that means a lot of a lot of really interesting games that you w- you wouldn't otherwise hear of because they wouldn't be able to cut through the noise have been finding a home on the Switch. So it's become like this amazing... So, so Such as what? So obviously we, we talk about Zelda and Mario. It's yeah. obviously Odyssey and Mario Kart as well. are obviously massive smash hits, but... I don't think really think there's been any kind of indie exclusives, but like all the indies have been making their way to the Switch and it's become kind of the best place to play them. Mm-hmm. Like Stardew Valley, for example, made its way to the Switch and got as, almost as much attention as it did when it was first launched, which was incredible because people who had already played it were like, this is the best place to play it. This is the best platform to play it on, which is incredible to think that like a lot of these games seem at home on a platform that didn't exist when they were conceived mm-hmm. of. But I think that's, I mean, that's the genius of the of the Switch's design that every game is a handheld, right? So stuff like uh, Golf Story, which... I kind of, in my head, it came out at around the same time as Stardew Valley. So in my head, it's very similar. It's pixel art style. I mean, it's completely fucking different. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, this wonderful, daft Australian RPG about a guy playing golf and just going around doing golf stuff. Is this uh, the one Burns is always fucking chirping No, about? no, he's always going on about the, the fucking Neo Geo golf game. And he, he only goes on about that typically for Burns because it's worth a lot of money if you've got the original cartridge. So he's, oh, okay. So he, this is him talking about a video game as if it's a Rolex, essentially. Okay, so file that along Twatty Watch yeah, exactly. Fucking 500-pound haircuts and all that crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's loads of stuff. There's like old stuff like Super Meat Boy as well. It's just become like... 
because it's got that thing where everything can be played on the bus, anything can be played in bed. So when if you're talking like even from fucking like blockbuster shit like Skyrim right down to stuff like Stardew Valley. Do you play Skyrim on yeah. the Switch? I don't know. Because that, that feels like a game that, well, obviously you can put the Switch in and play it on your TV, but that feels yeah. like one you want more of, you know, those massive immersive worlds. I think, yeah, I, th- I think with Skyrim, because I, d- I got a PlayStation Pro as well and upgraded to 4K and all that stuff this year. And I kind of, <laughs> this is such a sad fucking thing to come out with, but I kind of had a dilemma about what to get Skyrim on. Because obviously I fucking played Skyrim to death anyway. And I was like, well, I either have it handheld or I have it in 4K. And I kind I went with the 4K. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I went with the 4K because, like, you know, because because of the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. So I got it. I got the PlayStation version, and it was significantly cheaper as well. But yeah, you need to have a reason to replay a game like that. I think. Mm-hmm. So it's either that, like, oh, it's, it's it's now in 4K and it looks amazing, and you've got you got a bigger tally to play it on, so it's, it's more immersive and shit like that, or it's handheld and you can now play it on the fucking train. And I, I, I did wonder if I'd maybe kind of kicked myself because I was like, I can easily lose six hours in, in Skyrim. And, you know, I'm often spending six hours on the train going up to the northeast of Scotland, mm-hmm. proper Scotland, like fucking deep Scotland. Not only this Edinburgh shot, yeah. Bits of Scotland that people haven't heard of, you know. Fucking Edinburgh is like mainstream Scotland. I'm, I'm talking about the fucking, like, you know, the kind of Scotland that people were in in the 80s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, like like Edinburgh and Glasgow are like are like different class and his and hers, but like Angus and Hillside, they're like they're like early pulp, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful analogy, Jim. <laughs> they're like that's like razzmatazz and all that There's shit. There's no mum the hoops over there. <laughs> Don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, well, we started on best games of the year. We've ended up in the northeast of Scotland. We've ended up talking about pulp and Skyrim, which is obviously my fucking. I mean, you know, I'm on the podcast when that happened. Call of Duty World War Two as well. That was. I haven't played it. Oh, oh, I tell you what, though, I did the fucking hell. What was that? I was like, <laughs> it's like a fucking carry on film. Uh, I tell you what, I did get into Call of Duty this year. Uh, start, I got Modern Warfare remastered in the sale uh, along with Infinite Warfare, which I all I only played them played them for the campaigns. I'm not interested in multiplayer. I'm very bad at video games. I'm very bad uh, as soon as I'm in a situation where there's other people involved, I get even worse. Is this why you started dressing in combo pants and got those dog tags? Is this, <laughs> yeah, totally. It's why I've all of a sudden become very right wing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, I uh, played uh, Infinite Warfare is like Call of Duty Battlestar Galactica. It's fucking mad. You probably Sold. like it, actually. So it's a Battlestar Galactica game out, isn't there? Yeah, it looks That's fucking... That's a strategy one, I think. Yeah, it looks absolute dog shit, though. How dare you? <laughs> uh, Wolfenstein 2, obviously that was Wolfie a... 2 was good, yeah. yeah. So, right, I'm going to start playing these. Do I buy what? The New Order first, mm-hmm. and then the spin-off one. What's that called? The Old Blood. The Old Blood. Mm-hmm. And then... Wolfenstein 2, yeah. Wolfensteiner. Burns... Are any of them as good as Wolfenstein 3D? Yes. Burns likes to brilliant. say that you don't need... You can play Wolfenstein 2 without playing the first two. Mm-hmm. And he's talking shit. Well, they're like four quid at the minute on yeah. um, on the sale Pick just them before up. Christmas. Pick them up. They're so. 3.99 each. They won't be forever. They've no. been 3.99 for a while now on the store and they're going to go back up soon. Mm-hmm. So like... Pick them up. It's the best eight quid you'll ever spend on a shooter. 
because they're fucking brilliant. They're really tight to play. They, they run it, and this, this really matters with shooters, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not usually a fucking frame oh, rate dickhead. But they run it at 60 FPS. The gunplay feels really nice. It feels really tight. It's actually, like, the, it's the actual joy of shooting a gun. Do you in get straight into it? I know you don't necessarily on the second one, but on the new order, are you straight into the action? Um, so I was desperate for one of those the other day. And I was going through my games and I was like, oh, so much talk scenes. Uh, I'm trying to think how Wolf and how the New Order starts. I think it's slightly... T- well, actually, no. It, well, mm, the opening, and I remember now, the opening to New Order is you're not shooting straight away, but you are on uh, like a B-52 mm-hmm. bomber plane, that is, like a fleet of them. Heading towards that's Germans. Uh, well, heading towards uh, you know a giant castle facility, which isn't Wolfenstein. Funny enough, I don't think Castle Wolfenstein actually appears in either Wolfenstein or Wolfenstein Two. The very early ones were mm-hmm. like two D top down, like stealth games. No, I thought they were. No, and then they went changed to first person action. No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No, I think I'm out doing Jim Trinker here. No, no, there was, there was something, I'm pretty sure there was something called Castle Wolfenstein that it was based on, as in like, it gave id software the idea, but the, the series Wolfenstein 3D has always been a first person show. Oh yeah, yeah, from that, from that series, yeah. Yeah. But, um. That was what, Castle Wolfenstein, yeah. Like, the New Order, um, yeah, so he starts off, you're you're on, you're on a B-52 fucking bomber, there's, there's two fucking million of them in the air. And they're all crashing into each other and yours is blowing up and you have to fucking like, you know, this massive kind of actions. It, it does start off where you fucking jump in between planes and fucking shooting them down mm. and then crashing. And then so it's like you do get oh, into I, it fairly I mean, quickly. I'm going to get it it's as fine. soon as you walk out of here. Spend the eight quid, play the fucking, listen, I've got Wolfie 2 on disc as well. So you can just fucking oh, play magic. that one. So, you know, you can play the whole oh, fucking thing. Have you got Hellblade on disc or did you download it? From, downloaded it oh did you yeah. selfish selfish yeah, Jim sorry for that I'm having the switch for Christmas <laughs> you can sit and read a book on the train Jim yeah. and think about what you've done well this is it I don't know what I'm going to do on the train but obviously you know you got your, your Zelda and your Mario fucking 2017 has been the fucking best year in gaming since like 2007 like it's been amazing just constant fucking it's been a while since we've had that not it's not since i've not seen it since like the when the 360 was in its heyday that we've had like every fucking month there's been at least like two or three absolute fucking bangers that come out to the point where like i still haven't played prey i still haven't played i still haven't played dishonored 2 still there's so many i haven't fucking and usually uh, at least for the past few years certainly since 2013 um, by the end of the year, I had played everything that had come out. Mm-hmm. So, Have you completed uh, FIFA 18 yet, Jim? I know you <laughs> bloody love those games. No, it's been a fucking dynamite year. It's been a real, this kind of generation really coming into its own. I mean, it already got good. It got good in the Witcher 3 year. It was like 2014, it got mm-hmm. like... 2014, it was a year old and then the generation kicked off properly and then it was... But this is this is the point where it's like, Jesus, this is incredible what's happening at the moment. And, you know, the consoles have had a new lease of life with the, the Pro versions and the, 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 X, the One X and stuff. And I think that's probably going to keep things going for 
whatever iteration of the console you have, it's probably going to keep the momentum going for another year or two mm-hmm. before we start seeing. People think we're going to get PlayStation 5 in 2019. I think it will be announced in 2019. I don't think it will come out in 2019 because um, they they only released the Pro last year. The One X only just came out this year. So mm-hmm. I don't think they don't think the next gen is going to kick off so is soon. Is it going to continue down the hardware road though? Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll adopt an iPad model when we kind of already have anyway, there'll be iterative updates. I think what will happen is eventually like the PS5 will come out and it will be directly battle compatible with all the PS Pro stuff and everything. And things will have like, you know, something will come out and it will be like, you know, for a while you'll ha- I reckon you will have stuff coming out that's PS5 enhanced, but you can still play it on a PS4. Mm-hmm. But there will also be stuff that like stops supporting the PS4 and stuff. I think you'll have like a more of a kind of an app store apple smart device kind of economy where things are on a constant yeah can i pick up my playstation 5 like i can my switch yeah i don't think that's going to be become like a standard form factor for things i think that's going to stay very uniquely nintendo Mm -hmm. because as successful as the switch has been for nintendo i think sony and microsoft know what their strengths are now and Sony must know that their strength is not in, in handheld. They've tried twice. They mm-hmm. fucked it twice. Microsoft, their strength is in not trying to be like twatty and gimmicky and have all these fucking features that nobody uses. And they try to become like the home hub. They try to become the center of like your home entertainment system rather than a fucking good games machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've now realized that actually their strength was in being the best console to develop for the best the most you know the best console to run things on like the best hardware the best you know and so you know and sony kind of know that their that their strength is maybe a bit more of an all-rounder their kind of demographic is similar to 360 is similar to the xbox but they've got more of a kind of more of an aspirational kind of image i guess i think um all the, the three kind of platform holders are so what they are good at and what people go to them for is getting so distinct now that I think they're going to stop kind of constantly ripping each other off and they're actually going to go off in different directions. So I don't think we're going to see like the PlayStation Switch. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see the the Xbox with a handheld unit. I think because Burns is convinced that everyone's going to do it. And mm-hmm. I think he's actually talking shit as usual. There you but, go. But yeah, that's the that's the take of this year in video games. Yeah, sorry, I've gone right off on one, haven't I? <laughs> so, uh, so let's let, well, let's stick with with 2017. And uh-huh. uh, Chris Wickstead asks, "I want each of your favourite film of the year." That's a hat trick, the hat trick of questions for Chris Wickstead. Great 2017 yeah. from him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't he also? He's like he just wanted to be mentioned on three shows, right? Didn't he tweet us that? Well, th- then dreams really do come true. <laughs> I'm glad we had the power <laughs> to, uh, to to grant you this wish. Aim higher. Believe in yourself. More. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my, mine is uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Who wrote and directed it. And um, it is an outstanding film from top to bottom, really. Yeah. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's got something to say. It's relevant. It's just go watch it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. I mean, we'd ask Steve Burns what his is, but I mean, all he talk about is mob wise. I don't think he's seen a film that's been made. Oh, actually, he saw Star Wars, didn't he? That's that's probably the only one he's seen this year <laughs> that came out this year. Probably. He's an awful, <laughs> awful person. You see, I'm shit at watching films, right? I'm really bad. The most niche kind of thing I've seen this year is Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. 
which I thought was well, that's fucking not very niche, is it? Well, exactly. I mean, it's got fucking like you know, fucking it's full of fucking A list actors and it's got an A list fucking director mm. at the head of it. But it's probably the the closest that I've seen to like a an indie film, I guess, or whatever. So yeah, I'm really bad. I don't know. I, I like people talk about directors and I haven't got a fucking clue. So unfortunately, my favourite film of the year has been Thor Ragnarok, which is Well, I mean that's getting rave reviews <laughs> but i feel like because you you're talking about a film that sounds like you know really from what you've told me as well it sounds quite clever and you know it is but it's not like it's not it's not in you know a really kind of it's not a four-hour epic that's you know you sit there and ponder yeah what it is to be human it, it is a mainstream funny film with some with some great yeah. acting and then just Trojan horses in there. But, but my, my favourite film is straight off the fucking Marvel production line, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but it, I, I, mean, I feel, I feel like such a... Is, doesn't sound like it's straight off the Marvel production line in sense of its quality. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, they, they, they are... I guess they have done a... They've not followed through on it every time, but I think Disney have... Uh, haven't they made some noises about hiring like l- more left field directors rather than? Well, I mean, this you know. is, well, I mean that that paid off because he's a fucking great director. Taika um, Waititi, yeah. we're talking about, so good. Um, um, Hunt for the Wilder People is Hunt for the Wilder People. Well, Wilder People, so good. That's one I have seen. <laughs> it's an incredible film. Yeah, it's a like it's a really it's a very beautiful film and a very touching film, but it's not like not schmaltzy. It's just mm-hmm. it's fucking. But but what it does do is. Um, it really showcases Taika's talent for balancing comedy with drama. Yeah. But you, you, you saw Hidden Figures. That was a 2017 release in the UK, at least. Was it 2017? Yeah, that was early this... I, I think it could, came out... Again, I could have sworn that was the end of 2016 mm. I saw that. Uh, Hidden Figures was great. Yeah, really loved that. Um, you know, I, I think I, I like that we're getting... Unfortunately, it seems to be um, more of a, a side effect of... We've we've spent so long talking endlessly, incessantly about the same people, and retelling and retelling the stories of like the the white male figureheads of certain historical mm-hmm. events and stuff. That the really kind of interesting stories about, for example, as with hidden figures, the the black women who were responsible for the computations, the 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 the, the maths that they invented, mm-hmm. the programming principles and procedures that they invented to solve these problems and keep people alive and make sure that you know they were actually able to calculate trajectories and bring Mm. people home and stuff like that the work uh, that these women did was infinitely valuable every bit as valuable as the you know the contribution that buzz aldrin made or you know uh, anyone else Mm Partly because, like you know, we, we as a culture, despite what ha- what happened in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, I think generally as a culture, as as a, as a species, as a, as a global society, we are getting more and more progressive. We are getting more and more kind of woke. But yeah, but yeah, I think sadly a lot of it is a side effect of like you know we're just getting to the stories that haven't been told now because we've been telling the same ones constantly. Mm-hmm. But it's a great thing that um, that the 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 story of those these three women was told and and I'd never heard of them uh, until I saw that film. You know, I, I wiki, you know, I, I googled them afterwards and, mm. and looked into kind of you know the um, you know the the fact behind the fiction kind of thing and yeah, it's a wonderful 
film and it's one of those ones where it's it's not often with a film that you th- feel like it's actually good for I guess it's actually good for society that this film was made because like it's a good thing that Thor Ragnarok was made mm. but it wasn't a good thing for the human race do you know what I mean <laughs> well <laughs> entertainment's important as well <laughs> but Hidden Figures is one of those things where it's just like we're finally reckon- recognising the contributions of of three people who who belong to a demographic that is historically maligned and marginalised and just not listened to mm-hmm. and ignored and uh, finally putting them at the forefront and telling their story against the backdrop of the civil rights movement and well, there you go, uh, Jim. You know. So you said you said you didn't you didn't like independent films, and all you liked was the guy with the big hammer, um, <laughs> and then we just had a very eloquent description. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's that's. But our I like films. Cameraman Three. Is, it's, that is. You awesome. like what? I like Cameraman Three as well. Oh, I thought you said Iron Man Three. I was going to say the fuck out. <laughs> that film is bad. It's weird with Thor, though, isn't it? Because it's like, how often is the third film in a series the best one? Because Thor One and Two are fucking shite, hmm. but like. Hammerman 3 is fucking brilliant. Like, it's genuinely brilliant. I don't know why the Planet Hulk movie is called Thor Ragnarok, but... Does know. he at any time say it's hammer time? Because they've really missed the trick, if not. Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, um, put that in Thor 4. I mean... <laughs> James Ward, now moving on to television. What were your favourite TV shows of the year? So, Jim, I have finally sat down and watched all the Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And I would put, I'd put that up there as one of my... Favourites, it's certainly not brilliant, I don't think. Yeah. There's a lot wrong with it, but it is okay. interesting. And I do like the characters and I do want to know where it goes next. Yeah. Um, there's more episodes in January, is it? Yeah, so it's, we've had we've had the up to the season break, basically, mm-hmm. I think. Which is good because we've already had like, sure, we've already had like 10 episodes. Yeah, it's about we? 10 episodes, yeah. Yeah, which is mad because like, usually a season of anything now is like, what, fucking eight episodes? <laughs> I think that's about the right amount, though. Gone are the days when you had, like, 26 episodes a year of Deep Space Nine. But it was a different time, Mm -hmm. you know. You didn't have as much... You didn't have as much television then. And, you know, people just kind of wanted to watch the same shit all the time. I don't need the same episode 25 times on Leap. I'd like... I mean, mean, this is where where I suppose it's kind of treading the line between old Star Trek and um, (laughs) current TV in terms of it's trying to keep it partly episodic in a sense but also have an overarching narrative how did you feel about one of the charges against discovery Mm -hmm. one of the the, the common ones is that it doesn't feel like star trek and that's something i disagree with because i I disagree with it as well i think it's very star trek yeah i mean i i think it's there's lots of nods to the to the to the Mm -hmm. lore of old but more than that i think it just it feels like it feels like 2017 star trek like it 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 evokes Star Trek, but it has. I just don't it, want. I don't yeah. want the same shit with a different fucking yeah. uniform. Well, that's it. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? And like Which I every, guess some people do. Every new kind of every time Star Trek has come back, every time Star Trek has happened, it's been completely different. Because like Next Gen, people were saying the same shit about Next Gen when it started mm-hmm. as they were about this lot. Like, oh, it's not the same. It's not real Star Trek. I read it's some blah, blah, blah. reviews that were saying that they, they felt it was too dark, which I certainly didn't think it was. Oh, I'd, I'd have gone more dark. I mean, the, if, you, if you're looking at the difference between that and say that the next generation, like the next generation, you know, made in the 90s, you know, the world was a good place in the 90s. 
Mm. The, the argument we'd be having was, are you Blur or Oasis? You know, yeah. we wouldn't have totally. fucking well, fascism marching its way back well, and that stuff. That is that actually is... quite... I mean, Star Trek is massively informed by the world that, that it... Well, it should be. I mean, comes so, out I mean TV and, and video games and film and all, all art mm. of, of any form should hold a mirror I mean, up. everything's a product of its time, right? Yeah. I mean, like Star Trek... Especially every... science fiction. Though. Yeah. That's its fucking entire bag is holding a mirror yeah. up to the current times, but... A lot of people don't seem to understand that. It's like science fiction is inherently political. Mm-hmm. And if it is, if you're watching science fiction that isn't political, you're watching bad science fiction. It's just fiction. fluff, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it got a lot of stick for uh, bringing politics into Star Trek, which is like the... <laughs> the whole thing's about a fucking war. You can't have an intergalactic war without it being based on political decisions. Oh, it's, it's absolutely madness. It's like the, the idea that Star Trek was always like apolitical, where it's like... It was like Star Trek's Star- always been very political Martin, in a sense. They've Martin played- Luther King convinced uh, Nichelle Nichols to to not quit the show because he felt that the civil rights movement benefited from having her in that role and being <laughs> visible in that role. Yeah. You know, like it, it, we, we talk so much about like, you know, the fact that they had a Russian character on the bridge, the mm. fact that they, it, the, the fact that it was about a, a federation of not not only just all the united peoples of earth you know human beings were being treated as one creed rather than uh, 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 loads of the de- tribes, nations. but yeah. like the world that, that gene Rod- and gene roddenberry was an asshole and that you know don't get me wrong um in so many ways he was an asshole so like i'm not fucking singing his praises too much but like the world he came up with was very political very much a reaction to to the cold war and to all the the horrible stuff that had led to it, the Second World War, the, the rise of fascism and blah, blah, blah. Next Generation is... The 90s Star Trek is very positive, mm-hmm. generally. Well, we very actually, utopian. we had a question that we didn't actually get to. Sorry, I don't know who, who yeah. wrote it a few weeks ago, saying that... Yeah. Basically asking if you can think of a, a, a TV show mm-hmm. where essentially the government is good... Like you know, like in in the sense that the, the federation, that like you don't distrust the people in power in mm. the next generation, whereas in pretty much every other piece of fiction, than and reality, they're not really to be trusted. I th- there is, yeah. There, I think there's there may be an argument for that, but well, t- next gen kind of presents the federation as a utopian society, mm-hmm. but then Deep Space Nine comes along and goes, actually, it's not. So it's, it, I guess, kind of, but then it's kind of undermined by its sister show. So it's, it, yeah, it is. But also, you know, even in the first season, you've got that episode Conspiracy, which is literally about a conspiracy mm-hmm. in, the, in the ranks of Starfleet and stuff. So what you often have in Star Trek is the conflict between the civilian government and the military. So it's just often the, the you know the civilian government is presented as the sort of you know the the, the utopian ideal, utopia. and Starfleet is often run by dickheads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you do have that. So I, I guess so. But you know, talking about how things are kind of a product of their time, it's interesting to note that Star Trek: The Next Generation kicks off right at the end of the Cold War, sort of nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, and you remember when we had late eighties to sort of basically to two thousand and one. We had that sort of golden period of our youth where the world wasn't dangerous. Well, I mean, it was. I mean, that's. I mean, I understand you're saying that from a, from a, a mean, it didn't feel dangerous, um, especially in the West. British point of view. The idea of there ever being a nuclear war felt like such an archaic yeah. notion that would never, we'd never have to worry about that again. And it was. Yeah, you, you know, it, 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 Next Gen was a product of that time where, you know, it, 
society was becoming more utopian, was becoming fairer, was becoming more liberal, particularly if you were white and straight. <laughs> are they, actually, are these, but, the, are these the first openly gay couple that we've seen on on Star Trek? Our main characters. Uh, yeah, it's the first openly gay, um, it's first first gay characters, I think, oh, at, is it? at all, really. Gee, yeah, I thought they had touched on that before now. Um, they have touched on it in, in Deep Space Nine. Um, Riker was shagging everything that moved. I don't think he cared if it was man, woman, alien, what? Well, they had a really kind of, I mean, yeah, they, they had that episode with Deep Space Nine where uh, of Star Trek Next Generation where Riker falls in love with a member of an agendered species and it's really kind of ham-fisted and I think if if the I think the conversation on trans rights and stuff has moved on to such a point in 2017 that when you go back to that episode mm-hmm. it feels like Jesus Christ like this is <laughs> this is really actually quite bad mm-hmm. it's like when you watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective now and it's like it's actually oh god it's aged terribly oh, hasn't it's it it's fucking it's like it's, I watched this it the other day I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and I was like this is a great film this is a great film and yeah. I watched it and I was like, oh shit, this and it's is... like, oh this, God, oh no, my God. There's, not, there's lots of awful there's sentences lots of, in here. It's, you watch a lot of stuff from the 90s and it's like, uh, Star Trek wasn't really at all like this, I don't think. But you watch a lot of stuff from the 90s and it was massively homophobic mm-hmm. and massively transphobic. And it's like, fucking hell. Like we, we're, Is this we're, the number one way to make sure that your fucking show dates and you like a dickhead is to be is to make the butt of the joke to be prejudiced other, towards other yeah. people yeah like w- when you do that your show is guaranteed no matter how long it takes you are going to end up looking like the twat because hopefully we are moving mm-hmm. as slow as it feels at times in that right direction mm-hmm. whether it's to race or sex or transgender or absolutely I mean, or whatever it's, it's- yeah, absolutely. I mean, pre- prejudice in, in in any form when it when it makes its way into media uncriticized, un uh, like not not uh, not being the subject of a satire, not being yeah. Mocked. It's it's fine when say yeah. Gervais does that stuff in the office because the butt of the joke is his ignorance in saying that, yeah. or, or Gareth's ignorance in you know in saying well they they shouldn't be allowed near animals then if they're gay and stuff like that because the butt of the joke is that character's stupidity and ignorance of course, yeah. about yeah. it. So that's fine. It's when the butt of the joke is another person but it's when you're it's, of, it's the alf it's the alf garnet kind of paradox isn't it they're like you've got people liked alf garnet because they agreed with him and they were the dickheads but it's like it's like Stuart Lee's great great piece about doing like uh <laughs> doing stand-up about the muslims going well you never know who's in the audience they might come af- afterwards and congratulate you for going like that well done for sticking it to him and it's like they might not get the uh yeah. the levels of irony and the, yeah. those type of people are the very butt of the joke that you are making absolutely yeah well this is the thing i mean it, it, it's like nobody's people get very people get very annoyed when you know people always like to point out the the difference between like what a character says and what an author feels and it's like but sometimes sometimes characters are just analogues of the author sometimes the, the you yeah know, you can have your character say all so awful things as long as as long as it's understood that they are or as long as they're being presented as the moron or being challenged on it or, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Or, if, they, if they're just saying that and everyone's agreeing with them then yeah. yeah you're just you're just a bad person but back in the <laughs> 90s there was a lot there's a lot of stuff if you watch if you watch a lot of old tv shows not all of them, because I'm, uh, as far as I'm aware, like, you know, things like uh, Babylon 5, things like Star Trek. Fun- funnily enough, a lot of the science fiction mm-hmm. is, like, 
quite reasonably progressive. There's a lot of like stumbling blocks, like for example that episode of well, it's, it's, Next it's, Generation mentioned. I, 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 don't, I don't know the episode you're talking about yeah. in, in in detail enough to talk about it, but like it's fine if it's like a you know the, what they were aiming for was the right goal, but it was really ham-fisted. It was really kind of poorly and clumsily well, the, done. The problem you could with, see what they were trying to do, but they didn't really have the language. Yeah, I mean the problem is well, just being nasty. Yeah, the problem with it, the particular episode, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically it's just like a monogendered species that, but but Riker um, meets and falls in love with a member of that species that feels female, mm-hmm. and she expresses herself as free female and, and wants to live as female. And I think oh, I can't. I can't. I can barely remember the episode. But I think the kind of the resolution is that she basically gets kind of conditions to have her kind of gender identity erased or whatever. Mm. And it's just, it's a bit ham-fisted, and it's like. But the thing is, it's really kind of, and it really blows your mind that it's taken up until sort of you know the the second decade of the twenty first century for the trans community to just start to be. Counted, you know, <laughs> consider you treated as human beings. I mean, we beings. barely got to treating women characters like know, people, <laughs> but it, it, it boggles the mind because it's like you know, because because trans people have been around for forever, mm-hmm. you know, and g- gender has been. It's not a new thing that gender identity is fluid and that, you know, that, that sexuality, sex and gender being like distinct mm-hmm. things. And those things have been just constants in the human race for, for the, the length of time that there has been a human race. But it's only now that we're actually starting to really kind of appreciate it and not kind of treat people who don't fall into very narrow categories as, as if they're kind of, you know, monstrous or abnormal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, but, you know, but, and, and it's mad. The nineties wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't that long ago. And even back then the conversation on it, you just have to watch that episode of TNG or watch fucking Ace Venture, a pet detective to know that. Yeah, the pet detective really shot me. So I remember really friends as well. Friends had massively transphobic jokes in it. Stuff that just, they wouldn't be able to get, they wouldn't get away with mm-hmm. now. Well, they, would, they probably wouldn't want to get away with it now because, like, the, the people who wrote those jokes, I can't imagine that they would now defend them. You know, a lot of the, we we all kind of conversations move on and attitudes change, and you look back at things that you used to come out with. Like mm-hmm. when I was in my early twenties, like uh, especially in my friend group, like something being uh, something being gay was like, you know, you would say it was like, oh man, that's gay. If it was if you if it was rubbish, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a bit, you know. Like that was a thing, and then we all kind of grew up a little bit, and thought, Christ, we can't. That's that's really shitty, you know. Mm-hmm. We had put, we had like we had gay people in our friend group, and we were still doing it, you know. And it never once occurred that actually you're dehumanizing someone, mm-hmm. you know. You're actually, you know, th- th- that that person hasn't complained because they're so used to it. And even their friends, well, that's it, isn't when it's you know? entrenched so much, no, it's, it isn't, isn't it's entrenched, and like you know, it's like yeah, they know you're not, they know you don't mean it in a kind of nasty way but you're still doing it you're still denying them basic dignity you're still you're you're still taking their humanity for granted and it's you know people people grow up and people move on and, and and hopefully society does as well but like yeah, I mean, I can't even I can't even remember how we got on. We got onto this through uh, through Star Trek yeah. uh, Discovery. But I guess the point well, is, that's is that, the point of science fiction. And, but this and, is it, yeah. And the point of good television and good I think art to, to, to look do it this. back. The um, you know, we were talking about how like every Star Trek is a product of its time, as mm-hmm. it should be, as it is. And you know, this is 
very different to 60s Star Trek. It's very different to 90s Star Trek, mm. obviously. And it's mercifully, thank fuck, very different to early 2000s Star Trek. And it's very different to the Abrams films as well. It's completely different tonally. And I, I don't mind the Abrams films. I actually quite, I really like the they're, third they're one. They're fun, aren't they? They're, they're I think fun. They're, different they're, too. they're a bit, they're a bit throwaway. I think is what it, what the problem with them. Yeah. Uh, but no, Discovery feels like it's a proper. It feels like Star Trek is back. It feels like it is, it is now a product of our time. You know, and that, that that's well, good. that makes it relevant, and that's exactly what yeah. it should be. Sorry, I talk a load of shit. No, that wasn't a load of shit. Oh, that was interesting, Jim. <laughs> i say, what else I've actually watched? Have you seen any of Mindhunter on Netflix? Which is about the FBI agents you who are be establishing upset. criminal profiling. Don't fucking tell me you don't think it's good, Jim. <laughs> you might be upset with me, but I watched about 20 minutes of it and stopped. Not because of any value judgment about the show, just because I was in the middle of something else. Well, so whatever it was, Jim, it was a waste of time. You it was probably masturbating, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's but, absolutely fine, but I just do it as a, a different time when you're not watching something about serial killers. Stop masturbating <laughs> to serial killers. How many times do we have to have this conversation, Jim? It wasn't. Good God. Well, probably anyway, the, the FBI agent is the inspiration for um, Jack Crawford's character in Silence of the Lambs, and they go on to Jeffrey Dahmer and all these really interesting serial killers. And the performances are brilliant, and it's fucking great. And it's David Fincher yeah. who directs some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what more could you possibly want? Yeah. Another one is Manhunt Unabomber, which yeah. I think has just come out on netflix i've certainly just started watching on netflix anyway not got all the way through it similar in some senses kind of vain to uh to that I'm, I'm obsessed with that um profiling of of killers or bombers or whatever and sam worthington's amazing in it have you seen any of that no well <laughs> put that on your list as well yeah you've got so much great tv to watch jim yeah i've not even seen fucking narcos either not properly so no, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there is loads though, isn't there? I still haven't seen The Handmaid's Tale. I've read Margaret Atwood's book. I really like that. Yeah. Um, that that's getting rave reviews. Still haven't seen the third season of Twin Peaks. Yeah. My favorite TV shows of all time. I really want. I want to watch the first two again before I get into the into the third one. Top of the Lake, China Girl. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen that. First season of that was very good. Um, you've obviously seen Game of Thrones season seven. <laughs> yeah. Game what of Thrones else? now. Game of Thrones has just got to the point where you're just watching it because, like, you, well, you've come this far. Is so, it? But I thought everyone was raving about this season being. Well, it is good, but yeah. it's like I don't think it's. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as it was when it started off. Like, oh, really? I, I think oh, okay. it's, it's like there's a, there's an argument that you've heard of the, heard of the zombie Simpsons argument. But like after a certain point, the Simpsons becomes just the reanimated corpse of the Simpsons. Mm-hmm rather than uh, actual Simpsons. So there's like a distinct point where it stops being The Simpsons and becomes a different show, mm-hmm. essentially. That's kind of happened with Game of Thrones. Not to the same extent where like there was a point where it went from good to shit. It's just there was a point where it became a different show. Well, is it almost like what paint by numbers just in the same tropes? That, that's well, the problem? No, I think, it, I think it kind of came to the, to the point where they st- it stopped adapting material and started becoming original okay so like there's a and and, you know i think we all knew this would happen when uh, at the the point where the show would overtake where the books were Mm -hmm. so for a while it was it was really smart and it was really it was all about the intrigue and it was it had the pace of a novel right 
and it was much more kind of character focused than it was on like there were there were bits for example in game of thrones where you would hear about a battle happen, happening off screen you you didn't actually see that much kind of battering going on mm-hmm. right and when it did happen it was really fucking significant it was like oh christ we don't usually see this you mm-hmm. know it was very very dependent on dialogue it was very dependent on the idea that it trusted the audience to Actually, actually hear people saying things and referring to events that they hadn't necessarily seen, mm-hmm. right? And then, at some point, after it had overtaken where the books were and started having to make its own kind of shit up, it started to feel like a much more a much more Hollywood production. I don't feel like it was less kind of less well made less well written less intelligent it was just different like the 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 tenor of it had shifted we were this really impeccable commentary on you know the wars of the roses and stuff like that but now now we are just full on fucking fantasy i guess i guess it kind of became it, it was it was a subverted fantasy and then it just became fucking it's like it was a subverged a subverted satire of lord of the rings and then by the end it's just become lord of the rings it's sort of become the thing that it was previously a reaction to okay i guess that's probably the best way to put it Mm -hmm. not that it's gotten bad but it's definitely not like i think if you were really in i think if you would watch season one loved it fell into a coma for eight years and then came back and watched what the show turned into you'd be like what the fuck happened Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) well that kind of wraps up tv and film and uh and and video games fucking hell this record's getting a bit long yeah but i mean that that was the highlights of 2017 wasn't it yeah um um, well i think we should wrap it up there really we've been wittering on for fucking ages so very quickly then (laughs) christmas best christmas movies go I mean, this, I'll, this I'll, is from Sam K, the uh, elderly goose. I mean, obviously, obviously, Die Hard. Fuck's sake, let's get it. Out yeah, of well, that, that, that's that's a given. Home, Home Alone. Is a Home given. Alone is a fucking incredible Christmas movie. Elf. I've never seen Elf. I might, really I might remedy that this Give year. Give it a watch. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Christmas movies. Christmas movies. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Bad Santa is a good one. Yeah. Try I think. really want to watch the Christmas Horror Story with William Shatner in it. I think I'm going to get, because I've seen all the Christmas films, yeah. the famous ones. So what I'm going to do is sit down and I think I'm going to get into a B-movie horror niche <laughs> of shit Christmas-themed horror films. <laughs> uh, Krampus is supposed to be good. I've not seen that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the the Nightmare Before Christmas, which everyone's like, is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas it's movie? It's definitely a, a Christmas film, I think. It's, you know, but it, you know, but is it is it or is it? Um, but it's both, isn't it, really? Yeah, I... <sighs> Fuck me! I mean, that's one of my favourites. Nightmare mm-hmm. Before Christmas. Just, be- I mean, be- I mean, like, you know, obviously, anything that anything that turns something on its head is is always wonderful. It's only an hour and sixteen minutes. A guy watched. I that's shorter six- than this fucking podcast. Of this <laughs> <rate>. <laughs> would be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really. Oh, it's weird. I can never remember stuff. I'm bad at remembering stuff. Which is really bad when you when you do a podcast, because <laughs> the entire the entire process of doing a podcast is remembering stuff. But what I would say, what I did want to say, is that uh, you know, obviously, you know, wishing everyone a merry Christmas, and we, we've uh, we've had a great year, um, at Jim and Burns and Dave. We've um, we've not been like it's weird because sometimes it looks like we're not being very active, 
but actually when when we publish like loads of podcasts in a row without a break and when we publish loads of youtube videos in a row without a break that's actually when we're our least active because we're only we're only able with the production yeah yeah. because like we're only able to do that when when you know we're 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 kind of between jobs on the uh on the production company well not between jobs but you know when things are quieter like Mm. you know when things are in a pre-production stage or you know so there's like the weird thing about running a production company I found is that there's a, there's a lot of downtime and then there's like massive bursts of like fuck 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 loads of activity you know 18 hour days blah 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 and then and then it stops once you deliver something and then you're back to mm-hmm. kind of planning stages and things where you're spending a lot of time just kind of thinking and you know so it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a strange old life it's like it's there's a lot of hard work but you you it is balanced out by this like periods of not hard work. <laughs> so, periods of you playing Zelda for thirty hours a day. Yeah, it's fucking great actually. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I actually had the best job I ever had last week. Yeah. which was I had to record some footage from The Last of Us. So I Your just favorite game, the right? Last of Us. Yeah, that was when I thought this was the right choice. No, is that is I'm actually glad you had your... the nose and decided to start a company? But that is your actual favorite game, right? Yeah. The Last of Us. So like when so when it's I came... what Steve Burns called. An 11 out of 10, best game ever made. It's literally <laughs> word for word what he said. So when I came to you the other week and said, listen, Dave, I need you to, I need you to capture about 10 hours of footage from The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I did my normal day's work and then I did an inverted commas day work where I just... Uh, played last of us it's brilliant isn't it as well because like when you're doing that when you when you're playing when you're playing a video game and it is actually for your job it's the it's the best excuse as well when you get moaned at by your partner or whatever i'm at work it's like i'm working well i want to watch i want to watch this we're going to capture itself is it (laughs) i want to watch bake off because that's obviously the first time i've ever done it like (laughs) that was a total treat for me was you like all right capturing stuff i was like i'll capture all of our games you know what i mean it wears a bit thin after the fucking 400th time but like There, there was like there was. I remember, you know, um, uh, ages ago, when early days of video gamer, where I had to play something, and I remember Rachel was like, "I want to watch Bake Off." I'm like, "You've got an iPad." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeing what the issue is here. It's a strange life, and it's it's very rewarding. But basically, we've had a great year. Mm-hmm. I think we'll all agree on that. You know, everyone had had a great year, and thus we're furious. But, you know, at the, at the beginning, there were a lot of people who were asking about us doing uh, Patreons and stuff like that and, and Kickstarters and wondered if we were going to try and be sort of funded in that way. And we've never, like, we've never ruled it out completely. There might be, like, certain projects we mm-hmm. might want to do, we might want to crowdfund in the future, but it's not in, like, our immediate future that we're thinking of it. So with that in mind, I was going to think, we're not... We're obviously not celebrities by any measure, but we're just about well known enough that a lot of people are, you know, think highly enough of us that they have asked if there's any avenue where they can fund us doing stuff. Like, you know, uh, can I give you five pounds a month to make to make Let's Plays? Can I do this? You know, we 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 got we got asked that a lot. So I guess what I think because we we now live in demonstrably like really shitty times and i think the only way that we're going to get out of them is for decent people to make acts of 
kindness. I think if if you if you had if you ever had it in your mind that you wanted to give us a fiver to make a YouTube video, give the fiver to Shelter instead that you would have given to us. You know, absolutely. Do that. A little bit of Christmas goodwill. Yeah, because you know it's it, you know things are shitty at the moment and they will get better. In the meantime, people need uh, a lot of people out there need help. A lot of people out there could really do with that fiver a lot mm-hmm. more than we would. So, yeah, just wanted to say that, really. And he's been reading that word for word from an email from uh, Stephen Burns. <laughs> Gone full power with his face turned full of the Christmas tree. He sent us a wonderful picture of him in a uh, Christmas elf jumper as well. Um, he really me. is full of the joys Excuse of me, can I just point out that that was... <laughs> That was not from Steve Burns. Absolutely not a single word of that. That's all from the heart of the beautiful Jamie Trinker. Yeah, and, and I he's want, absolutely and right. I want the fucking credit for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so five pound, please, to a charity of your choice. Definitely, shelter is a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you got another five pounds, stick an envelope to Jim because it's all about fucking him and it. <laughs> Thank you for listening once again to Jim Mezzer Dave. We hope you have a great Christmas and uh, we'll see you in 2018 for more lols and that, innit? Thank you very much. Bye.